It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets are back in action tonight. They'll take on the Vancouver Canucks at Nationwide Arena. Puck will drop at 7 o'clock. The Blue Jackets have won back-to-back games after winning in Buffalo on Monday. They returned home with a big win, a big, big win on Wednesday when they shut out the Winnipeg Jets 3 to nothing. I almost said beat, but they didn't beat them. They shut them out 3 to nothing. Elvis Merzlikens getting his first shutout of the season and doing it on home ice. He was spectacular. The Blue Jackets were able to get what they needed. They got a goal early, and Max Domi was the guy that set up Gregory Hoffman for that goal, and then the Blue Jackets were able to ride with that one-goal lead. They would take penalties. They would kill them off. Everything was working just as planned for the Blue Jackets on Wednesday. Yesterday, the Thanksgiving holiday, everybody could kind of take a break and regroup, and now it's back to work tonight, and it's a busy stretch that begins tonight for the Blue Jackets. They'll play at home this evening. They'll travel to St. Louis for a game against the Blues tomorrow, and then it's on to Nashville, Dallas, and Washington next week. Yes, it's going to be busy, and the competition is going to be fierce, but right now, the Blue Jackets just enjoying the moment. Speaking of enjoying, we are now in the holiday season, and Maybe you need some help uh, enjoying yourself or helping others enjoy the season. Check out Telhio Credit Union. Maybe it is a personal loan that you're looking for to help you get through the holidays. Maybe you're looking for a debt consolidation loan. Maybe you just want to open a checking account or a savings account. Whatever it is, you can do it with the fine folks at Telhio Credit Union. Go to their website at telhio.org, surf around, and get all of the information on all of the different services that they offer for you. If you can't find the answer to a question and you're doing it during regular business hours, you can go to the live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen and somebody will pop right up there to help you get the information that you're looking for. Telhio Credit Union has been doing this for a long time, taking care of the people in our area. And now is a time when people really need taken care of. It's the holidays and they're going to be there for you. Telhio Credit Union is open to anyone in central and southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. Well, as we get ready to talk about tonight's game, or we prepare for tonight's game, I should say, between the Blue Jackets and the Vancouver Canucks, let's look back a little bit, not just at Wednesday night, but let's look at some of the key players the Blue Jackets have been relying upon here in the last couple of weeks. And to help me do that, I bring in Jean-Luc Grandpierre, who is a Blue Jackets analyst for Bally Sports Ohio. Jean-Luc, first of all, what was your Thanksgiving dinner? We actually did not do a dinner. We did a uh, kind of like a breakfast brunch affair because uh, we had uh, some family coming from up from Cleveland that uh, attend some stuff later on. So we went with uh, some ham waffles, uh, eggs, quiche, uh, the whole thing. So it was a lot of fun. And then I got to take a great nap in the afternoon. So yeah, I can't beat that. Might be a new tradition. <laughs> yeah, you, you're right. You can't beat it because... Uh... We spent all that time in the morning cooking and getting everything ready and then eating in the uh, the mid to late afternoon, and then you're just done, right? Exactly. So one meal for uh, for you, one meal for me, <laughs> but the good news is I was done by 1 o'clock, and everybody was out of the house, and it was back to the Grand Pierre Palace just for myself. So I love uh, it. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, obviously, it's a good Thanksgiving because the Blue Jackets were able to get a win 
and uh, their final game before the holiday. And then they're right back at it, of course, tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. But that win against the Winnipeg Jets, I thought it was pretty significant because Winnipeg is a team that had come in and dropped three in a row, one of those in overtime. But they had lost three games straight, and they're a big team. They're a skilled team. And I kept waiting for them to wake up and break out, and it just didn't happen. And I give the Blue Jackets a lot of credit for that. Yeah, a lot of credit. Uh, not, so Elvis had a, a great game, so he was solid, and that made the save when needed. But for the Blue Jackets, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous as far as the physicality of the team. Not that the Jets throw the body around that much, but they're just a big team, so it's hard for defend, to defend against a team like that, especially when you have some defensemen that are not necessarily like the biggest guy. But I think as a group, they did a great job. And uh, yeah, and then offensively, obviously, they were able to generate with two nice goals plus the empty net. So complete 180 from what we saw in Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're right about that. It, I said this after the game, you know, as a coach, and you know this, you've coached before too. You can put together the best game plan in the world. You can get a plan that you know going in when you present it to the players, you know in your heart, boy, if you guys do this, we are going to win this game we we don't even have to play it if you're going to do this we already know what the result is going to be but that key is that the players have to execute it the way you have it drawn up and as soon as you turn it over to them and the game begins there goes your control out the window but i thought last night or on wednesday night rather was a good um i thought it was a good game plan and i thought it was executed well by the team do you agree Yeah, it was a great game plan. You could see that, especially in the middle of the ice, it was uh, the, the five guys would all kind of get together through a neutral zone. And the minute their defensemen got the puck, uh, you could see them spread back out to be available. And that's one of the key thing we you see with disciplined team. And uh, not that I'm making any comparison to the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, that won two cups in the last couple of years, but one of the things they change is You want to play that skill game, we'll play a skill game. You kind of want to play that physical game, we'll play it. That one nothing game or that 7-4 game. And that's kind of what you saw from the Blue Jackets last night compared to the previous night. So it's kind of exciting to see how that coaching staff and that team can adjust to different uh, teams. Let's talk about some of the specifics, not just of that game, but of what's going on right now. One thing I've, I've found to be almost fascinating in many ways is when you look at the four different lines on this team and that you always can't just go into a game and saying, Oh, here they are. One, two, three, four. I can tell you what they are right now. They change so much. We've seen um, Jake Voracek's line. And I, and I say that because it had Alexander Texier on it early in the year. Now it has Cole Sillinger centering the line. We've seen that line be a dominant line in a game. We've seen Boone Jenner after he got moved off the uh, Voracek line. Um, or, yeah. So between Texier and Sillinger was Jenner. But when he got put with Oliver Bjorkstrand and Gus Nyquist, they took off as a line. Then, of course, you had Sean Corrali and Eric Robinson. And when Texier got put with them, that was supposed to be your fourth line, if you will. But they were playing well enough to be a third line, generating chances. And Jack Roslevic and whoever he's played with, which for the, the most part has been Gregory Hoffman and then blank, because there have been some different guys that have filled in there. They have been losing the ice time. But here in these last couple of games, Max Domi jumps on the other wing on that line. Uh, Roslevic has two in Buffalo. Uh, Hoffman had a couple of points in that game. Domi had a goal in that game. And all of a sudden in the Winnipeg game, there they are again. The first goal the Blue Jackets get. It's Domi going up the ice and feeding Gregory Hoffman, who scores to make it one to nothing. Do you find it as fascinating as I do that it, any night it can be any line? It really doesn't matter. And you usually can tell in the first 10 minutes which one it's going to be. 
Yes, it's very fascinating because uh, you're at a point now, you know, for us covering the game, you, you can't even call a line the fourth line or the third line because they're battling so well. Nobody wants to be on that fourth line that it's at a point where I would just call or coordinated the line and call it the black, blue, yellow, and purple line because <laughs> you don't want to be labeled that fourth line, but it's internal competition as well. And yes, yeah, since Max, Max Domi's been back, uh, he, he's brought a lot of energy into that club and that kind of revitalized uh, Jack Roslovic, which is finally seeing some dividend to all his work in the defensive zone. And uh, one of the things I said on the air is I love the fact that Jack Roslovic did, did not cheat his way into getting points because it's easy, especially as a center, to start flying the zone and kind of let go of the defensive zone and try to get that goal and cheating up the ice. And he has not done that. And uh, he stuck to the plan. And right now he's getting dividends from that. So I, I love the way the team is playing from one to four. Again, yeah. there's no four line, but all four lines, let's say. <laughs> that is a great point uh, about you start to push yourself. And Jack didn't look like he was pushing. He went 15 games before he got a goal. But it seemed as though maybe he knew that there were other things that he was doing well. And maybe he actually was able to grab a hold of that. And one thing I think is, is face-offs. I mean, he's gotten much more responsible on face-offs. Uh, you don't see him in the defensive zone a lot. I mean, normally that's Boone Jenner and Sean Corrali, but uh, at the odd time or two, and especially when you're on the road, when the other team decides who's going to be out there, I think Jack's done a pretty good job. He's done a great job. Listen, you look at the numbers, and I'm not a big statistical guy, but you look at last year's number, Jack was 39% in the face-off circle. So far this season is at 52%. That's a big jump. I mean, 13% is a big jump. And for him, he's being put in situation mostly in the neutral and offensive zone, but that's going to build his confidence. And eventually he's going to start taking face-offs in the defensive zone a little bit more. So uh, you got to give credit to Jack for putting the effort in. And again, it's not something you necessarily see on the stat sheet, but I think that's why the coaching staff has been so patient with him because they're seeing improvement in his game that, you know, as casual fans, we don't necessarily see when you hear the horn goes. Yeah. And coming into the year, one of the things he was tasked with was becoming more of a two-way player. As a matter of fact, Mark Letestu was working with him right after he got hired full-time to work with Jack on becoming more aware of his defensive play. And then Letestu got that assistant coaching job in Cleveland. So that kind of went away a little bit. But it's obvious that whatever lessons that he's gotten, whatever conversations he's had, whatever video that he has looked at, again, there's been an improvement in that department. And to your point, if coaches know that you're improving on those other things and they're not just looking at uh, goals and points, then they're okay with letting you in there to figure out the offensive part because that's the part they know that you can do. It's eventually going to come. Yes, exactly. And uh, yes, Marco Testa was actually in the building on Wednesday at the day off. So I saw him walk right by me when I was at the game. And I, I bet you was pretty proud of seeing Jack on the first face-off circle against his old team, Winnipeg. Uh, but yes, for the coaching staff, again, if Jack Roslovic was the number one centerman, and you look at the stats and you're like, wait, you're not producing offensively. Now there's a big problem, but being in the spot where he was on that third fork, they can be a little bit more patient with that side of his game because he's doing the right thing defensively. Talking with Jean-Luc Grandpierre, Blue Jackets analyst on Valley Sports Ohio, pre-games intermissions. And I have to ask you this question. The one thing that scared me to death in that game against Winnipeg is when Max Domi, put the puck in the net after the whistle on the offside call and it woke up the Winnipeg Jets. There eventually was, they didn't call it a fight, but 
Anytime a guy takes his gloves off and he's feeding right hands to another guy, to me, that's a fight. Anyway, um, he did that to Evgeny Svechnikov. At that point, it was a one-to-nothing game. And listen, I'm, I'm from the same school that you are. I was used to seeing that on a regular basis. Every night there was a game. But there was always that uh, kind of the whisper of, listen, if you're up by two goals, don't fight somebody because you might wake the other team up. And it wasn't a two-goal game. It was a one-goal game. And I watched it, and I thought, oh, man, I hope that he didn't just get these guys to, to buy into this game all of a sudden because they were kind of down and out. But to the credit of the penalty killers, it didn't matter if he woke up the Winnipeg Jets or not because they killed off the penalty and went right back about their business. How much did that surprise you? Again, knowing coming up in that, that old school where – you know, that was one of the things you just didn't do because it could haunt you. Yes. It's, uh, so two things on this one. First one, I'm going to start with the PK. I think uh, over the last couple of games, the penalty killing has been coming up big in big moments. Uh, we saw it at Buffalo. Uh, and then last game, I mean, Winnipeg could barely set up in the Blue Jackets zone. They could barely enter the zone in the second period. In the third, they got in, but the, that old defensive squad did a good job. Uh, but then for Max Domi, I think Torts used to say, I'd rather have to calm somebody down than tell them to get going. And for Max Domi, listen, the crowd was electric and it's easy to feed off that energy of the crowd. And he's one of those guys that loves that energy and he almost cranked it up a bit in the building. So although it did hurt the team, I think it's one of those as a coaching staff and as a teammate, you're like, you know what? I love the way this guy's playing with passion. We'll kill that one. There are good penalties, bad penalties. Was this a good penalty? Maybe not. Maybe we'd be talking differently if uh, the Blue Jackets lost that game or if Winnipeg scored, but you know, I, I'm not going to blame him for the energy he's bringing because I love it. And that's something that any team can use. Well, to be honest with you, you're, I think that you're right. It was, not necessarily a bad penalty. It was kind of good the way it turned out. The problem then was when he came out the next time after he scored <laughs> that penalty, then he took another penalty. Now that one doesn't go in the same category for me. <laughs> it doesn't. And that's when, you know, you got one that's like right on the line there. <laughs> you know, the refs are looking for you. And that play, it was, I believe it was Harkins that he went and hit. And it, it was not high. It was not that late. It was a, maybe a second after Harkins off the puck. You just have to play the scoreboard and know, listen, I know these refs are looking at me. Let me keep it simple and go with the poke check. Don't finish that hit. So it's something that, you know, typically guys with that kind of experience would know any, uh, better. But I think Max was just so amped up at this point that, uh, yeah, I'm sure when he went back to the bench, coaching staff said, all right, Max, let's just <laughs> stay on the ice here and take it easy. So yeah, I think, we both agree on that. <laughs> yeah, I think the attitude was probably different the second time he got back to the bench. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Hey, I want to ask you about the, the defenseman, because if you go back to training camp, we were the question was, who's going to play with Zach Borensky? And who's going to be on the third pair? Those were the two questions. Well, no question, uh, Zach Wierenski and Jake Bean have become quite the pair on the top pairing. But one of the surprises is, you know, going into camp, Andrew Peake, is he going to be able to grab a spot on the third pair? You look where Andrew Peake is right now. He's playing with uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, which has pushed Adam Boquist to what could be conceived a third pair. And maybe I'm talking about the defense here the same way we're talking about the forwards where we shouldn't label them whatsoever. 
Uh, of course, Zach's got to be on the top pair because he plays like 30 minutes a night. But uh, but Boquist is still trying to find his way a little bit here. But what they did, and this happened near the end of the Buffalo game, is they put him out on that first power play unit with Zach Wierenski. And it worked to get a goal. It got that second goal for the Blue Jackets, which was huge. What do you think about that? When you look at it, you know, is a defenseman uh, back there and you watch these guys creating you have no Patrick line. If you did, we wouldn't even be talking about this. He'd be in that spot. But what do you see when Adam Boquist goes out there? What has he made different about that top power play unit? Well, Boquist is ex- extremely elusive as for a defenseman. He's not a big, big guy. So and he's very good offensively. He's got great offensive instinct. And I don't think he's got a booming shot, but he thinks the game kind of like a forward he's you know i'm looking at the way he skates everything he does he's almost like a forward playing defense and uh you know it brings you a little bit more stability in case there are turnovers and you go back to the game in vegas where it was still the four forward one defenseman uh, units and at almost that could have scored you know vegas could have scored four or five goals in that penalty kill and i think that's probably where the coaching staff is like is it really worth putting a fourth forward there let's play it on the safe side with a guy that can play defense and uh we've seen texier take uh mark stone on the pk it's a big difference especially when you have a turnover to have a forward play one-on-one versus a defenseman and that can cost you the game and i think that was a great example in vegas not only texier beating mark stone who's a forward playing d on that situation but for the columbus blue jackets you're thinking okay PP is not firing on all cylinder. What is it really going to cost us to put another defenseman back there? So I like the decision until Patrick Laine is there, then you can put all your eggs in the same basket. Right. And Cole Sillinger was holding down that spot. Max Domi then played it uh, in a power play or two in Buffalo. But, you know, really with Cole, we, we love Cole Sillinger, but that is a lot of responsibility to be put on him on the top power play unit. And let's be honest about it. When he's out there, if you're the penalty killers, you don't have to watch him the same way you do Patrick Laine. So that gives you the opportunity to kind of pinch off Jake Voracek a little bit, maybe a little double team on him and force him to get rid of the puck, which he wants to hold it and he wants to create. And uh, that's why I, I like Boquist out there because first of all, as I said, he's, he's kept his patience. Like if, if you come in here in a trade in a Seth Jones trade, and then all of a sudden you're perceived to be a third pair defenseman, I can see where you would be kind of like, Hey, wait, I'm better than that. I've got to push and I've got to show this. I don't think he's done any of that. He was hurt and he bided his time, but you know, he's just waited for an opportunity. And now to me, he's got that opportunity on the power play. You don't have to have an 18 year old in there with all of that responsibility. And for the penalty kill on the other side, you just put out a guy that they know he's not an 18 year old guy. They know he's a creative offensive minded defenseman. And now they have to play their structure differently. Don't they? Yes, they do. Uh, listen, Adam Boko is only 21, I believe. Right. So he's right, which is kind of insane. So he's still learning, you know, right at the highest level in the NHL. And yes, for for the for, for the PK, I think the league has changed so much. You used to see guys on the PK that were, you know, just anybody big body that could bang around and was willing to block shots. You would put out there. The level of skills from the first to the fourth line now, you know, you take a guy like Texier who's killing penalties or a guy like Eric Robinson who can skate like the wind. There's an offensive threat on every PK. So if I'm Brad Larson, I can put two defensemen 
why not go for that? Especially if the power play is not doing great and you know that Jake Voracek may take a few chances that could turn into turnovers, but it's worth it. So I love having two Ds back there. And then, yes, like you said, once Patrick Laine comes back, it's a different story. You can go with four forwards and then just have Zach as hopefully your guy back if there's one-on-ones. Yeah, Patrick doesn't get demoted to the second unit. That's just not going to happen. Uh, talking with talking with John luc Grandpierre, um, Zach Wierenski, when you look at him this year, does he look different to you? And he's playing the 28, 26, 28, 30 minutes a game. Um, to me, I see a guy that I think kind of the knock on him was he's going to be your offensive risk taker. And if he screws something up, Seth Jones is going to clean it up. There is no Seth Jones anymore. I, it seems to me, Zach continues to do what he has done offensively. Huge goal last night to give them a a two to nothing lead, but he's, I think he's more responsible defensively. Am I reading that wrong? Uh, You are not wrong. He's, uh, he's kind of showing the way for Jake Bean. who's another extremely young defenseman who's taken tremendous steps since the beginning of the season and for Zach I think uh he kind of he kind of restrained his own leash as far as moving forward and yesterday I saw it a couple of times where a couple of nice plays where Zach uh, got the puck and actually sent uh Jake Bean up the ice instead of Zach being the one going going every single time so he looks a little bit more like a quarterback kind of like what Seth Jones looked like when he was playing with Zach Wierenski but his offensive game hasn't suffered all that much. I think he's just taking less risk. But defensively, you know, he doesn't play big, but Zach Wierenski is a big, strong guy. And it was funny because somebody was asking me about the Long Blue Jackets and like, oh, you know, like I, I wouldn't fight this guy, this guy. And I said, the scariest guy on that team is probably Zach Wierenski because he is so strong. But it's a scary strong because you don't expect it. But he's thick, he's strong, and, you know, defensively, you can tell that made a big difference in his game because he's more confident every time he goes in the corner. There's also a big couple of days for Vladislav Gavrikov. He celebrated a birthday just before leaving Vegas and going to Buffalo. Um, He picks up a two-goal performance uh, in Buffalo. I was joking with him before the game. I said, what are you going to do for your birthday? You're going to score a goal tonight. And he's like, well, you know, you know, he's so Mr. Nonchalant on everything funny and entertaining, but uh, I don't know. My birthday started in Vegas. It was already good, you know? Uh, <laughs> and then he goes out and he, and he pots two in the game in the, in an empty netter that was really just sick off the boards and, and all the way down the ice. Then he comes out in the game against Winnipeg and Elvis talked about this after the game, there was one series where, Vlad just messed it up. He just he turned it over, and then about, I don't know, 12 seconds later, he is basically diving in front of a shot, just throwing the entire body into it to, to block the shot. And, you know, uh, Dylan Tyre said, as we were talking about it during the game, he said, that was very David Savard-esque right there. And, and it was. And, of course, he and David were partners uh, when Savard was playing here the last couple of years. So um, – this guy, when you talk about a guy, you were just mentioning Zach Wierenski kind of coming into his own. I feel like Vladislav Gavrikov is also coming into his own here. He knows who he is. He knows what he has to do. Um, and he's the kind of player that if he gets a couple of goals, everybody feels great for him, don't you think? Yes, he's a guy that uh, last season was a little rough for him. But this year, he's come with a completely new attitude. And, you know, we talk about, like, legacy of players. 
I think the legacy of David Savar lived in Gavrikov, and Gavrikov's passing that legacy down to Andrew Peake now, which has completely changed his game. But yes, he's he's a fun guy. He's you can see he likes to have fun, but he's not afraid to block shots. And it doesn't matter what part of his body he's going to use, he's gonna make sure that he can defend uh really well. And you know. He's one of the best defensemen, you know, after Zach Wierenski, I would say he's probably number two as far as being able to get that puck on net. And you look at his numbers this year, he's got a lot of assists. And it just simply from him being to put that puck through traffic on net. So offensively, no, he's not a rover, but that game is back there for sure. So he's very versatile, but number one, his defense is great. And you can tell that his teammates just rally around him all the time just because of his... uh, you know, he's infectious. Like, he's just one of these guys, you see him and you just want to smile and laugh every time because uh, Torts used to say, hey, he's not hes not always the prettiest to look at, but he gets the job done, but he's a pretty good defenseman. And that was a compliment from him. That was a big compliment yes. from him. Uh, you mentioned Andrew Peak. You know, we saw him in training camp. We saw him playing more physical, trying to earn a spot on this team. But I look back on that now, back in late September, I didn't see him as being, you know, somebody pairing with Gavrikov to be a physical pair, but that's exactly what he's done. He's made himself into that. Yes, he has. And talk about another player that kind of changed his game to just find himself in the lineup and make the team. And he's been taking steps game after game after game. And and for Andrew Peak, it was just about simplifying his game become a little bit more abrasive, a little more phys- physical. And I think playing with Gavrikov really helps him because it's hard for a young guy that played college and Notre Dame. Obviously, he's smart, right? And you're an offensive guy that was running power plays to come into the NHL or to come to the pro and goes like, wait, you drafted me to be a quarterback and now you're asking me to be this physical defensive guy. I'm like, that's not my game. But he's learning like literally on the fly and doing a great job. And listen, you can have a long career doing what he's doing right now. And again, David Savar was the same thing. He was a power play guy, super offensive guy in the American league in junior came to NHL and complete, he was still, he was running power plays. I believe when towards got here and he became a defensive mastermind and for Andrew peak, he's figuring out early in his career and he's doing a really, really good job at it right now. So, uh, you have to admire that because it's not easy for a young player to change his role on the fly, especially if you have, uh, if you're hard headed and you're like, no, 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 I'm going to be a quarterback on the power play. It may come in later, but right now do what you need to do to help the team and help yourself stick in the NHL. And right now he's right there. Well, you said he went to Notre Dame. He's a smart guy. He sees Zach Wierenski's already on his team. So, you know, that's kind of covered right now. <laughs> so find a way, find a way to stay on the team and, and you're right. I've I've enjoyed watching him play so much. I really have. And I like, this is why I like talking to you. I think we talk about the defensemen here and there, but we don't really break it down very often. So uh, that's awesome. We might as well, we left the guy out. Tell me about Gavin Bayreuther and your thoughts. I know he's kind of that. I, I look at him like this. If we're not talking about him, he's doing his job. Exactly. And uh, I had a really interesting conversation with Rick Nash uh, during training camp. And we're talking about the whole defensive squad. And I was like, hey, do you talk to guys like sometime? And he's like, yeah, we send them a message. And I was like, well, what kind of message is that? And, you know, he talked to a couple of defensemen. And it's like, listen, we got enough seam pass defensemen. You know, when he's talking about Jake Bean, 
about uh, Boquis, about Zach Wierenski, he's like, we just want good defense. Be that guy. And Gavin Beerwoofer is another great example of somebody that, yes, we know the offensive skills are there. We know what you can do. But right now, we need that grind. And you don't think Gavin Beerwoofer, hey, he's going to grind me down. But right now, that's kind of like Andrew Peake. That's what he's bringing to this lineup. He's just solid. He keeps it simple. And simplicity sometimes can pay off big time, especially as a coach and you're in a precarious situation. You're sending the safe guy out there. You're not sending the guy that's going to do some backhand sauces in your zone. And Gavin Bayreuther has found himself a little spot here in this Blue Jackets lineup and hopefully keeps doing what he does because he looks really good back there with uh, Volquist. Well, with Volquist right now. Right. And he came in, he had to go to Cleveland out of camp and he waited for a chance. And as soon as that chance came, he's in there playing over some other guys that are sitting and watching right now, the Vancouver Canucks coming into play against the blue jackets here, uh, Vancouver, they have been a mess. That doesn't mean that they're not going to win the game because it's a national hockey league. Even teams that are a mess get victories. Uh, you saw the blue jackets have to battle in Arizona last week, just to win in a shootout for crying out loud. And that's a bad team. Um, but you got Vancouver. Uh, what do you see from the Vancouver Canucks? And if the Blue Jackets play the same way they did against Winnipeg, do they get back-to-back home wins before going back on the road? If they play the same way, yes, absolutely. Uh, the Canucks is a very talented team. Uh, they have a lot of offensive weapons. It's just not clicking right now. A lot of drama around that organization. You know, they're talking about, you know, maybe changing coaches, who's going to trade who's going to get traded in Canada right now, everybody is waiting for something to happen. Kind of like in Montreal. They're like, you have to make a big change because this team is not playing up to its potential. And it's scary to play a team like that sometimes because you never know one night they can look like Stanley Cup champion. And the next night they can look like, you know, an East Coast Hockey League team playing in the NHL. So uh, for Blue Jackets, you have to be careful. I think they learned their lesson in, Arizona and Buffalo, these are teams that were kind of struggling and it was not easy game. So uh, I think they'll be ready. Hopefully they had good Thanksgiving, but for the Vancouver Canucks, they'll want to get two points in the nationwide arena on Friday. And that's why I think a game like this against a team that could be dangerous, having that last line change can be a key because Brad Larson is going to get the matchups that he wants. It's like against Winnipeg. It was very obvious, you know, who he wanted against Pierre-Luc Dubois' line. He was going to get Jenner out there. And when you're at home, you can do that. You can pretty much do it all night long. When you're on the road, that's a different thing. So he'll have that opportunity again tonight. Yes, he'll have that opportunity. And uh, the Vancouver Canucks, although offensively talented, that's going to be another team that you want to take advantage of physically because they're not the biggest team. And uh, hopefully uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets can do that, especially, uh, you know, the peak, the Beirut are there on the back end. And obviously, you know, a little bit of sprinkle, a little Max Domi in there just to get things... <laughs> things going at the right time please but uh yes I, I just love the energy of this young team right now yeah that's great all the canadian turmoil will roll into the building as the blue jackets take on the canucks <laughs> the the rumors the complaint you know what i like i like when the canadian media comes in and they're just sour right they're sour about the whole thing i was talking to some friends uh that i've known for a long time uh before the jets game there they're like ah oh, this team can't score they stayed at a perimeter and i'm like it like they got six guys who have double digits in scoring here. I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to keep them quiet forever, but then the blue jackets did keep them quiet forever. So, but I'd love when those guys come in and they're all sour about their teams and they want everybody fired. They want to change everything, but the uniform colors, right? 
that's well you know what that's the one thing if you have a team in canada i mean it's uh very similar in this market to what we see with uh, the Buckeyes, right? The Ohio State yeah. Buckeyes. It's like, you know, you win a game and, oh, you only beat them by 14. It's just not good enough, right? It's just like we expect to win every single game. Well, hockey in Canada, that's exactly how I'd see it. So just to give you an idea, uh, that record there with the Vancouver Canucks is completely unacceptable. <laughs> All right, one last question for you, and I'm really curious about this. I know that you listen to this show religiously, but now since you were just part of the entire show, do you still listen to the show? I probably will listen because I'm sure there'll be some questions. You know, I love the voice questions. So uh, no, I mean, this particular show, you're going to listen to yourself again or no? Probably because I always listen to, to your show on the way to rink or when I'm driving down to Cincinnati. So am I going to listen to it like right away? Probably not because I hate <laughs> listening to myself on radio or TV. So, but I'll have it on the background. I promise. You know, people, people ask me that all the time. Like, do you like to listen to yourself? No, not really. Not so much. You know, there, no, no. there are certain people in the press box that have noticed that when the highlights come on, that's usually when I'm getting a drink. <laughs> Well, I'm not you're in, really good at getting a drink up there. I'm like, right, I know, but I'm not in my booth there. And I walk down no. the hall and people go, oh, who's that guy? And I go, some idiot. That's why I got out of there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's something weird with watching yourself. Uh, you know, like, so obviously when I played, you know, I, I'd watch video after the game and stuff like that. And even watching yourself skate, you're like, you can pick yourself out really easily and you, you just start, <laughs> why do I skate so weirdly? Oh, I didn't realize I did that, and when I hear myself on interviews, I'm like, I, you know, obviously English, not my first language. And uh, I never think I have a bad accent until I put it on the radio. And I'm like, wow, this, yeah, that's heavy French, heavy <laughs> French accent over there. <laughs> so we may it not like it. it. We may not like it, but that's why we have to do it. So we can make ourselves better. So that's how it goes. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for taking uh, some time out of your Thanksgiving celebration for me. And, uh, can't wait to see you at the rink. All right. See ya. Thank you. That is Jean-Luc Rampierre. You'll be able to find him on Bally Sports Ohio tonight. He'll be on at 6.30 with a pregame show. He'll also be on during intermissions and the postgame show. And the puck will drop at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. We'll be on the Blue Jackets radio network starting at 6.30 tonight as well. Dylan Tyre has the pregame for you. And then I will join you at 7 o'clock when the puck drops. And if you're in Columbus tonight, you'll be able to find us back on our flagship station, 97.1 The Fan. There have been a lot of conflicts lately because of Ohio State football and basketball. But we are back on The Fan tonight and tomorrow, so make a note of that. We'll also get it out on our social media channels, again, to remind you as the day goes on. But it's the Blue Jackets and the Canucks, first of two meetings this year and the final game of this quick two-game homestand at Nationwide Arena. That's going to do it for today's CBJ and 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Until tonight, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.